welcome to Breaking Through Biz, the podcast where we talk about things that are keeping small business owners from getting traction and what they can do about it. I'm your host, Tabitha Shever, and I have with us today my guest, Jen Whitmer. Jen is a highly sought after keynote speaker and an executive coach. She does team building and leadership development. She also has her own podcast called Joyosity, and we lovingly refer to her as the chief joy maker. You'll hear why here in a minute when you hear her giggles, because she is so fun. And um, one of the cool things is that she really specializes in the use of a tool called the Enneagram. So why don't we start there? Tell us about how you do what you do and what this magical tool is. Oh, I don't know if it's magical, but I do find it the most transformative. So when I am working with the Enneagram, and if you're listening and you're like, Ennea what? The Enneagram is a personality framework. It's not just a test. It's um, it's built a little bit differently than other personality frameworks you may have used, like the DISC or Myers-Briggs or Colby, something like that, um, because the Enneagram helps us see deeper It helps us see why, what are the motivations behind the way I see the world, how you think, feel, and act, those those components of our lives. And so the why question is what gets answered versus just what and how. Mm -hmm. And what I love about that as a tool in creating positive culture is that it really honors the complexity of people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very dynamic tool. Um, It's flexible. um, And it shows you how to do differently when you understand your why versus Mm. some other tools, which I still use. I love them. They have their place and they give us different kinds of information. They tend to stay around what. And if you change the what without understanding the why, the why comes out sideways some other way. Mm. And all of that then starts to fall apart often because you can only do it for so long (laughs) until you're like, wait, this isn't working. Um, So that's what I love about the tool of the Enneagram. Awesome. And so how do you use that then to build culture? Are you just helping people understand themselves or each other? Or what does that look like? Yeah. So I have a model that I use. If you can kind of imagine, you know, since we're, I I can't draw it for you right now, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, a three circle Venn diagram. And so in those circles, when you're building culture, you first have to start by exploring the people because that's, that's who we have. Like, mm-hmm. And there, as again, there's so much complexity to being human. And so we start with the individual, but then move to the team because you can't you can't lead anybody else until you lead yourself first. Mm-hmm. So exploring your own personality, your own metacognition and the way that you create meaning in the world and your own values is where we have to begin. And so the Enneagram is a component of that and okay. understanding those whys, which lead us into the stories we tell ourselves and lead us into the values that we live by, whether we've labeled them or not. Mm-hmm. And so that Enneagram tool then starts to start to weave in the tapestry of the next step, which is really engaging with people through all the the power people skills. How do you communicate? How your emotional intelligence, how you make decisions, how do you interact with others? And the Enneagram informs a lot of that and helps give us, I always call them like shortcut skills. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is where I really shine as the types are labeled by numbers. So as an Enneagram seven, I really shine in this way and I am going to be challenged by this. So mm-hmm. I'm going to shine with bringing the positive and the excitement and the vision and the kind of, oh, what's next and the big ideas. And if we're going to talk about feelings for a really long time, I'm going to have to 
like dig in. <laughs> and I know that and I can be dismissive if I'm not careful or I can just turn off emotional intelligence and ignore something that's negative and become toxic positivity, which is not helpful. And because I know that about myself with the Enneagram, it informs my people skills in such a powerful way. All right. Hold on right there. I've never heard of toxic positivity. So <gasps> oh. I was going to go down the, the negative toxic workplace, uh -huh. but let's go to the positive side of it. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Well, I think that toxic positivity is the other side of that negativity where people it's we have a negativity bias as mm -hmm. humans. And there are some of us who deal with negativity bias by going, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's great. It's no problem. It's totally fine. We just got to stay positive. And it becomes like if you're not positive, then you're not OK. Mm -hmm. And so you've got the negative Nellies who are just complaining about everything and don't want to solve anything. Well, toxic positivity doesn't want to solve anything either. It just becomes toxic because, well, we just have to be positive. Well, mm. that's not a solution. That's, okay. that's not a strategy. That's not a task. That doesn't actually change anything mm -hmm. because our posture in positivity is should be deeply rooted in what's real. And we can hold the both and together. So, for example, last week I had... This, I launched a podcast that, uh, and it was so exciting. And my uncle passed away the same day. Mm. And I, I, you can't just positivity through that. Mm -hmm. And we have griefs and joys all through life at work. And toxic positivity ignores the grief and just tries to be almost like cotton candy, mm. which eventually makes you sick. Mm -hmm. So toxic positivity is the other side of that negative coin that can cause just as much damage yeah. if you don't if you're not aware. I have had two entrepreneurs that I've worked with that I would say suffered from that. And I didn't even realize that mm -hmm. that's like what it was or what it was called. But it was just um, there was one all of this bad stuff had happened, like the roof caved in and was mm -hmm. leaking and somebody threw wine bottles full of paint at their door. Oh, and gosh. I mean, like just all this stuff happened and everything. He's like, it's just a sign that we're doing great. It's <laughs> just a sign that we're doing great. And I'm like, maybe it's a sign that something's not OK. Like, <laughs> Or can we pause for a minute and yeah. just acknowledge a lot of really crazy stuff is happening yeah. and you being okay about it is driving, making me feel like a crazy person. Exactly. Because it's crazy making. That yes. is the experience yes. of the other side of toxic positivity. Yeah. And then you start to feel like yeah. there must be something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I'm so negative all the time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it makes me start making up stories about yeah. myself. Totally. And it's technically a form of gaslighting, mm -hmm. which is a form of what therapists and positive psychology people call bypassing. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just going to go around it. And it makes you and other people crazy making. It, mm -hmm. it is crazy making. And that's what you feel like. And so I know that about myself, I can be very prone to that if I'm not careful. And or other people, even if I can see the positive, if I don't acknowledge with some empathy that they're not there yet, or I try to go to the positive too quickly, that can be really damaging to my team. It can be damaging to the others that I'm working with without that both and mentality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So talk. let's talk about the other side of it, because this is uh, where you and I connected, because I think we're both trying to solve this problem in the world. Mm -hmm. But this concept that you can be traumatized at yeah. work and like, how do you heal from that and how do you move forward? And I personally have been traumatized, little t trauma, like mm -hmm. not, you know, sexually harassed or anything major, but um, in a way that is really formed and shaped me to go, if you don't have a good leader, you oh can really start making up a lot of trash about yourself. And so how so do you much. like talk to me about that work? Talk to me about how mm -hmm. 
do maybe some of the things you need to do as a good leader to prevent some of that? Like, yeah. just riff on that for me with yeah, me for a minute. So I think the best way to riff on it is tell a story. So when I was a school leader, so I was an educator for 20 years and I was in really my, my dream job. And I had the best leader that I've ever had. We'd created this amazing culture. I felt so confident in my leadership and that I was growing. Like he just gave amazing feedback. He was always going for what's next in a growth, a real genuine growth mindset. And then we had a change of leadership and the new leader who came in was unskilled and unhealed himself and had and because those two things came together i saw just the devastation of our culture and for me personally i started to question my own ability as a leader um where i just had amazing feedback for two or three years in a row as a leader so what what changed not that i couldn't change but this is confusing and that idea of crazy making happens mm -hmm. i started to not be able to make great decisions it started to our faculty and staff really started to suffer and it took me a long time to even admit that that was trauma and healing from trauma there are multiple ways to heal from trauma i think a good therapist is always a great plan and also acknowledging that that's what's happened there's Emily P. Freeman is the one I always hear say it, but she's not the originator of the quote, but that we get into trouble when we don't name things properly. Mm. And so admitting that that was actually a traumatic experience was the beginning of saying, I can change. I can heal from this. And the part of me was really that's when I also was reintroduced to the Enneagram as a tool so I could see, OK, as an Enneagram 7, my motivations of avoiding pain and the motivation of my leader to avoid conflict mm. just perfect clashed yeah. in so many ways because I wanted to avoid pain by solving the problem. And he wanted to avoid conflict at all costs and would run away and then cope with it in all these different ways. And so it started to make me feel less crazy. Like, oh, in the healthiest of circumstances, this probably would have been a more difficult and challenging relationship. Okay. I know what to do with that now. Mm. Um, and I could start to regain some confidence. And it, it took time. Mm -hmm. It was a, a couple year experience in it and a couple year experience out of it. Mm. And I am grateful for what has happened since of like how my life has changed and the impact. I always loved educating. And now it's just different in helping people create a culture that doesn't cause damage or heal inside a culture that has been damaged. Mm -hmm. And it has expanded my deep love of a community learning experience yeah. as a teacher. And so that workplace trauma problem is more pervasive than I knew until I got out into the world outside of this education space. I just didn't, I didn't know it was so pervasive. And is really grievous, honestly. Like, yeah. it hurts yeah. because I know it doesn't have to be that way. Like, work shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't be damaging. Yeah. It's part of the gift we give in the world because, like you say, this is the problem we solve in the world. And if you own a business, you're solving a problem for somebody. Mm -hmm. And that should bring us joy. Yeah. And when you get trauma in that place and then your your livelihood and like, can I pay my electric bill because of this? Like it's, and your self-worth is so tied to it. Yes. And then how you're raising your kids Absolutely. is impacted. So there's huge ramifications. Mm -hmm. Are there any telltale signs? So oh, mm -hmm. um, what are some of the key things that 
maybe you as a leader could recognize yeah. that are going on. Or if you're in a toxic workplace, mm -hmm. you might go, oh, that maybe really is toxic and it's maybe not me. So what signs and symptoms? Yeah. So there's a few different things I always look out for and call them kind of, if you will call them mini red flags um, or just red flags, whichever <laughs> one you'd like. One of them is what I would call misalignment between implicit and explicit culture. Okay, lots of big words there. But basically, do the words match the actions? Do we say we care for people and we say that we're family first and we say that we value transparency, but we don't know what's going on with finances? Um, I'm expected to work well into the hours and answer emails at all times. And it doesn't matter that it was a family wedding. You needed to be at this event. So that misalignment between what we say we care about and what we actually demand and require of people that misalignment is a sign of toxicity because, well, it eventually turns into that mm -hmm. if it continues. And so that misalignment of, of values and actions. Other things are behaviors that you might notice from yourself, which is really hard to like. So it's just hard sometimes to look at yourself. But we grow when we look at the parts of ourselves we don't like. Yeah. So check in with yourself and then look at your team. So one of them is triangulated communication. Again, kind of big fancy word, but you got a triangle in your mind that instead of going to the person that you have an issue with, you go to somebody else who isn't actually a part of the problem or somebody who can be a part of the solution. So sometimes we just call it gossip. Sometimes, you know, we call it venting if we don't want to admit that. Um, and usually what starts to happen is somebody becomes the victim and somebody becomes the hero. And some it's like in this weird space and nobody loves a love triangle. And that's what that's <laughs> What's what it creates. Yeah. That's what it creates. So triangulated communication is another big symptom of toxicity, which means it's because the root issue is somehow there is not a level of trust that you can go talk to somebody without reprisal. And that doesn't means sometimes two people can't solve it and they need some outside influence, but there's a process through that. So I, when I'm working with teams or with individuals, I'm like, well, how many times have we talked about this? And, you know, and like start to, if it's more than two or three times and we're still not solving it, we need something on the outside. We have a closed circuit and mm -hmm. it's not working. Mm -hmm. So how... I would love to go talk to somebody else. Would you be willing to go together? Which then doesn't feel like you're going above somebody's head or you're trying to threaten them. You're just like, we need some help because mm -hmm. we're together in this. It's a very different feel than triangulated communication. Yep. Um, so those are the two biggest ones. The other one is more intuitive. And when you start to feel kind of funny in your body, um, and it's hard if you haven't practiced recognizing it, it might take you a few times. But you start to recognize almost like this buzzy feeling, like something isn't right here and, and you can't quite put your finger on it. And that's that lack of transparency or maybe even integrity or honesty. Like you're noticing something about your body intelligence is telling you this is off. Mm -hmm. I had a friend, we had a similar experience of workplace trauma and we're in a different experience together as parents and we're in a meeting and I was like this is not what happened like I don't even understand these words and my friend was like yeah because they're gaslighting us I'm like oh you're right that's what's happening they're they're changing the story that is not actually what happened and she was like I know because I feel it in the back of my head so mm. now I just notice every time somebody's trying to change the story I feel like tingles at the base of my hairline so she's practiced that interesting so you might not know it at first but if you feel kind of funny and it happens often because then you start second guessing yourself, all those things that we talked yeah, about before. Yeah. Those are symptoms 
that you might be headed into some kind of toxicity in in your workplace. Gotcha. That's good. That's good. You talked about values a lot. Mm. So um, that that misalignment of values obviously can just be super detrimental um, to any organization. How do you coach around values? Do you use them in in combination with your Enneagram? Mm -hmm. Or like, tell me about that. That sounds really interesting. I love digging into values. And um, depending on the place, if we start with personality or do we start with values, um, the reason values are so important is because they're going to come out whether we label them or not. So let's be intentional and be honest about what our values are. Because again, then you have that transparency of alignment. What Mm -hmm. we say is what we do. And people can choose to opt in and come on mission with you or they can opt out. But nobody's hiding anything. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the most important parts that nobody's hiding and you can decide, yes, this is what I'm here for. And there's all kinds of research studies about it. Um, Harvard Business Review calls values a business imperative as a part of creating positive culture because your values determine how you choose to behave and how you choose to behave determines your results. And so if you want to make profit, your values start to determine that. So, okay, so I'm going to tell a funny story. I used to think a cruise ship was just a floating Petri dish. Mm-hmm. Like, disgusting. <laughs> yeah. I just like, oh my gosh. And I love the boat. I love all that. But I wasn't going to go on a boat. No, thank you. No, ma'am. And then I got this great experience in Disney corporate with a coaching group I'm a part of and just got to hear about how they operationalize their values and how they're very clear about their values from the very top to the newest associate on every park, on every boat. And they have five values and not go through all of them. The first one is safety. And they will do nothing if it's not safe. That is their very first decision-making tool. I'm like, okay, I can trust them to go on a boat. And so I spent (laughs) thousands of dollars with this company Mm -hmm. because they operationalized their values in such a deep way. And so maybe you're not running cruise ships, but if people, people will align to you if you live out your values and they're clear and they'll pay more money to come with you if you live out your values and they're clear and your people will stay with you if you live out your values and they're clear. Yes. And that is where we get into this. No work gets done without people. So you have to understand people, which is your yes. big message. Yes. So, well, I have enjoyed this. Our time has gone super duper fast. Like I could talk to you for another hour. So maybe you're going to have to come back Hi. and chit chat again with me. But um, I wanted to give everyone an opportunity to know how to get a hold of you if they want to learn more about culture, values, Enneagrams, people, um, any of the good, the good leadership development work that you do? Where can they reach you? Yeah. So the best place is always jenwhitmer.com. Jen with two N's, Whitmer with an H. So jenwhitmer.com. And you can go to my speaking page if you're interested in what are the keynote topics I talk about or how I work with teams. We can just set up a conversation. Like just like, hey, I've got some questions. Check that out. If you want some free resources, um, there's a tab at the top called freebies. You can check out some quizzes and some free resources about the Enneagram and about conflict resolution, things like that. And I love to connect with people on social. So you can find my socials there, too. I play the most on LinkedIn and Instagram. Fantastic. Well, thank you much. If you would join us next month, we're going to speak with Tom Ruich about email marketing and copy that works. So look forward to that. And Jen, it was such a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much for being a guest and sharing your wisdom. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This has been Breaking Through Biz with Tabitha Shever, and I just want to give a thank you to Family Vision Media and Dave Powell for helping us to produce this podcast. 
Plus Delta is committed to helping your small business get your operations in order and to drive positive change. To learn more about Plus Delta services or EOS, go to plusdelta.com. Until next time, happy changing, everyone.